Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. to another episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza, and I'm joined by John Sheeran. And uh, I say another episode of the Orange and Black Insider, but it's not like many other episodes because this episode is jam-packed with a lot of news analysis and, of course, a five-round mock draft from each one of us. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the schedule. We're going to try and get to some listener questions. The, the, the OBI line's already been blowing up. Uh, before the show even started. So um, we're going to try and get to some of the stuff that came through there. Um, Jam-packed show, John. Are you ready? It's a nice hat you're wearing over there. <laughs> the YouTube crowd. Yeah. Um, so some of you may remember a few months ago that uh, I, the, the fine folks at New Era sent a, a, a pretty neat hat over my way. And... Uh, Alex P over there. Um, and randomly I got a package in the mail and my wife was like, Hey, this is for you. I, I thought it was an, a, yet another Amazon purchase from the wife. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, well, okay. I didn't realize what it was. And, um, lo and behold, there, there was a, a 2019 Bengals draft hat from new era, just randomly sent my way, not requested. Just, they just decided to, uh, to send it our way. And, um, the mock draft tonight is going to be brought to you by New Era Hats. So um, very comfortable hat. It's a little different from some of the other ones I own in the fact that it's kind of the lower bridge, not the high bridge type of type of hat. But it is, uh, I got a little hat hair here, but it is a fitted one. It's got the 100 NFL logo on the back. So pretty cool, pretty cool hat. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. And it's very, very nice of them to do that and to sponsor our mock draft tonight. So um, thanks to new era hats. And I I'll be wearing this definitely through this episode. And then uh, through all of our draft weekend coverage next weekend, I'll be sporting this hat, go get yours either on new era.com or if, uh, if they sell them in local Cincinnati stores, I would assume they do um, go grab one. It's comfortable. I like it. They make good products. John, before should we take a, a collective deep breath? I mean, this is going to be yeah. a <laughs> this is going to be a jam packed show, man. Um, and this this actually took um, this has been taking a little bit of planning throughout the week to try and get to to do this. Um, thankfully, we're we're at kind of our normal time. There was no schedule snafus in terms of our live live recording. 
the schedule snafus are always on my part, by the way. <laughs> um, so we appreciate uh, all of those who are joining us live. And of course, John, I appreciate, as I mentioned last week, you being flexible with your schedule as well. So um, we're going to, we've got a lot on tap. And we're going to get we're going to kick it off here in just a minute. In case you are new to the program, you can join us live every episode on CincyJungle.com as well as our YouTube channel for the live recordings. You can if you are able to join us, then you can get the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on the Megaphone platform. And then, of course, like I said, Cincy Jungle and uh, YouTube. So subscribe to our channels. Get all the uh, all the content. There's going to be a lot of content coming up uh, over the next calendar week here between this show and all the draft stuff next week. So um, check that out and uh, we'll get you as much stuff as possible and hopefully you enjoy it all. John, we already knew who the Cincinnati Bengals were going to face in terms of opponents in 2019. We didn't know the order. We didn't know all of that stuff. Well, that's changed because just before the kickoff of this show, the schedule was released. There were, you know, little rumors here and there that we got throughout the day on Wednesday, but we now know uh, what the Bengals 2019 schedule will look like. And uh, I don't, I don't have that up on for the live listeners here, but uh, I'm going to try and bring up a graphic of the schedule for people who watch after the fact. But in case you haven't heard, let's do just a quick, I'm going to, I'm going to rattle through these here. Week one at Seattle Seahawks. That's a very interesting one to start the season. Then they host the San Francisco 49ers for their home opener in week two at Buffalo Bills. It seems like that game is on the schedule in some form or another every single year. The pits. Then they. Then week four, they finish. Uh, finish the week of September on Monday Night Football, their only primetime game of the season. Uh, week five, they host the Arizona Cardinals, and then at the Baltimore Ravens. Then they host the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then there's that freaking game in London. Sorry to all of our UK listeners against the Rams because I wanted to go to that game, but uh, should be fun for those folks there and or people going to make that trek. Uh, then right in the middle of their schedule, week nine is their bye week. Week 10, they host the Baltimore Ravens. Week 11 at Oakland against the Ra Raiders. Then they close out the series in week 12 uh, at home against the Steelers. Then they host the Jets. And then the final month is very interesting and makes for a somewhat daunting stretch. They are at Cleveland in week 14. They host the Patriots in week 15. They are at Miami in week 16. And then they close the season with the Browns in week 17. Your initial thoughts on this schedule. And uh, I, I saw some things on Twitter briefly. My day was so crazy today. I couldn't keep up with a ton of stuff. But... I saw some things, some comments you made on Twitter about, hey, this is, I, I think you had mentioned this is kind of the layout that works well for them, all that kind of stuff. Your initial thoughts as you see how the schedule played out for the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think similar to last year, they don't get a lot of home games out in front. They only get one in September, and that's against the 49ers. Then they return home against the Arizona Kyle Murray's uh, in early October. Um, 
And then you didn't I, say calamari. You said Kyler uh, Murray. Ky- Ky- Kyler Murray's. I don't know if Kyler yeah. Murray likes calamari, <laughs> but um, yeah, the the Kyler Murray's of the Cliff Kingsbury team. Um, but yeah, the the London game being in week eight, which means a week nine bye, works out well for them. I don't I don't know why you're so you're so bitter about it. If you're gonna drive to LA, you might as well just fly to London. It takes the same amount of time. Ah, touche. Yeah, I had, I had to get off. Had to get, I like that. Had to get one, one off the. Like but that. um, yeah, and then I think four um division games after the week nine bye um, two, uh, but at least three of them are at home. So um, it, it's it's kind of balanced in in that sense where you have daunting matchups in the back half, and also you you play more um playoff teams from last year in the first half of the schedule, but this is the third place schedule. And there's just some cupcakes on here. The jets being one at the Raiders, um, presumably one of the last times they play in Oakland, if not that stadium doesn't get delayed again in Las in Las Vegas, but um, starting out in Seattle will always be tough. I think Jay Morrison tweeted. They're like an amazing record um, when they start at home, uh, at, le- at least in their, in their franchise history, especially um, in, in this, in the stadium that they play in now, but, should be playing a lot of young quarterbacks. Uh, they're playing Josh Allen for the first time. Uh, they're playing Jimmy Garoppolo for the first time week two at, at home. Um, playing Sam Darnold for the first time. And playing the Browns twice in December. That can go one of both ways. We're, we're going to find out really soon if the Browns are for real because I think they have three primetime games in the first five weeks, which is insane when you think about the Browns. But we're going to find out if they're for real and if they're being contending for the playoffs or if they – fell off a cliff like some of our, our viewers may, may think they will. So that could either be two cupcakes or that could either be two lo- losses um, smacked outside of a probably a likely loss against the New, New England in late December. Yeah, tough. Uh, t- you know, there, there are stretches of it that are tough, um, in my opinion. There, there are stretches of it that seem to be um, uh, a little daunting. And... Right. Uh, that that December stretch is is very daunting, especially if Cleveland ends up being the team that people think that they will be. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, th- there are some people who are very optimistic, and as you look through the the comments on Cincy Jungle, we posted a uh, post on that uh showing the schedule i mean people aren't overly optimistic and and earlier in the day when there were rumors there were people saying this is six or seven wins and and blah 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 um it, it's one of those things as you look at it of course you don't know how everybody's going to be um the the teams on the west are are going to be i mean aside from obviously the divisional games the teams on the West, uh, both NFC and AFC, are going to be critical to this schedule because, I mean, yeah, they comprise most of it. But, um, you know, I, Seattle made the made the postseason last year. Um, San Francisco, a lot of people thought they would if Garoppolo did not go down. Arizona, you mentioned they have the number one overall pick, and they were pretty terrible as a team. But if they get Kyler Murray, which almost everybody thinks they are going to, and he injects a lot of life into that franchise all of a sudden. Um, we all know the Bengals have had trouble with mobile quarterbacks over the years, regardless of who their head coach is. So that could be a daunting game. Of course, the Rams made the Super Bowl, and it's a, it's in a neutral field that's far away. So that's a tough game. And then you've got the Raiders, who could be improved. Probably still not a great team, though. Um, you know, 
So uh, th- those are those are some difficult games to to gauge. And and as obviously every year you sit here and you say, oh, they're going to be good. This team's going to be good. That team's going to be terrible. And then things get flipped on their head. Um, you know, people thought the Bengals wouldn't be very good last year. That ended up being the case, but they shot off to a four and one start. And, you know, all of a sudden people are like, wow, what's this team about? So um, we, we've seen things flip on their heads. These are, the, 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 but some of those games are critical. And uh, I think especially when you have Seattle, San Francisco, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh comprising, and then Arizona really comprising just over the first month of your schedule, if the Bengals are going to make any sort of run at a, at a postseason berth, I think you got to get three wins out of those first five games. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's fair. Um, and Well, especially just how December plays out with two yeah. games against the Browns, the Patriots, and, and they're sandwiched around the Patriots and a trip to Miami, which has always been a tricky game for the Bengals. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> you look at the Miami game and you're thinking it's sandwiched between the Browns and Patriots, and you're thinking, okay, that, that's three very tough games in itself, and the Dolphins are, like, projected to tank, but the Dolphins are always pesky for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. And, some of the, and some of the Bills, too, and some of the Bills in, in some cases, and, like, they haven't proven anything with Josh Allen, and, you know, they still have a long way to go, but, like, that, that that's it in the first five or six weeks of, of the schedule, that presents itself to be the, the lightest game in, in itself, but it's still not going to be very, very easy. And it's also on the road. Um, and the, the Steelers primetime game Monday night, we don't know um, how this team is going to come out of the gates under the lights for the first time without Marvin Lewis and whether it's going to be any different or any marginal improvement under Zach Taylor. And you, you think of the Steelers right now and, and how they're going to, to evolve as an offense without Antonio Brown, without Le'Veon Bell, but with Ben Roethlisberger still there one year older and how those pieces are going to kind of gel. So that's going to be an incredible statement game for them because they're probably not going to start off undefeated because they're going at Seattle and they're playing two competitive teams in, in, in their mind in, in the 49ers and Bills. So that, that could set the landscape for how that division is going to play out towards the heart of the season. And then once you get past that, again, Cardinals could, could be exciting with Kyler Murray. Ravens are the defending champs. So they have to be respected. The Jags could easily rebound with an upgraded quarterback and the Rams, the Rams. But it, it, at the very least, the, the one positive I'm getting from here is that, yeah, they're going to London and they're, they're going to have to travel across the pond for that. But that's a road game where they could have been playing at Los Angeles. They're only playing, they're only going out West uh, two times compared to maybe three or four, um, only at Seattle, only at um, Oakland. They're bringing San Francisco here. They're bringing Arizona here. So not a ton of traveling compared to, I, I would assume, other teams. So, yeah, the, that, that first half has some contenders on there potentially. But, again, this is before the draft, and this is before we really know if these teams are going to be actually competitive or not. You touched on it a little bit, John, the the Steelers game, it being a Monday night football game. Uh, I think, like you said, that's going to take on maybe a little bit different complexion now that Marvin Lewis, Vontez, perfect. Le'Veon so Bell. With that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, all those characters will not be in that game. So this could be a very different looking game. Aside from that, though, there's no Thursday night game, which has been a Bengals staple, yes. especially early in the season. That's been a Bengals staple. Um, there are no Sunday night games, which Cincinnati just is awful. <laughs> we need, we need a break. Night. Yeah. What do you, what do you, I mean, you know, the cynical fan sits here and you, you say, oh, thank God there's only one game. And even, even one primetime game is too many, especially against the Steelers. 
Or are you saying, hey, it's a bummer. You know, there, there are some exciting players on this team. This isn't a team that's got a new coach, an upstart team. Um, I I don't know if you follow, if you have a Facebook profile, John. Uh, if so, we should we should be friends, buddy. Um, <laughs> but I, I saw on the NFL Facebook uh, feed, there was a video of some of their pundits saying, you know, who were some unexpected teams to make uh, the, the postseason. And uh, the, the Bills and the Bengals were two teams that were mentioned. So, I mean, this could be a team that um, could be an upstart team under Zach Taylor. A lot of people seem to be impressed with him. But, I mean, I guess what I'm saying, this is a really long-winded way of just kind of asking you your impressions of the fact that the Bengals only have one primetime game this year. Um, good thing, bad thing, or are you just kind of like, well, it is what it is. They're coming off of three losing seasons. The season was only five months ago or four months ago. But I'm having trouble forgetting I'm pretty sure they only had scheduled one last year and then they got flexed to one right. uh, week, week, week six against Kansas city. We all saw how that turned out. So I think it's, it's good for them to just kind of get their feet under them and just, just to kind of see where they are under a new head coach, under an entirely new coaching staff to see how everything gels. And if they start strong, like last year, I'm sure that the NFL will take advantage of potential ratings and maybe flex like like that that Baltimore game to to a primetime game, maybe flex that Jacksonville game to a primetime game, depending on how well those teams are doing at that moment. But that 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 Steelers primetime Monday night football game is gonna be a great litmus test to see if, if things have really changed and if they're really ready to compete early on in the season. And I don't know if we should expect them to. It's just as much as I don't think we should expect them not to. Because there is talent, there, there is still a decent nucleus of talent on this team, and you would like to think that a, a new, um, a new head coach, a new coaching staff can kind of rejuvenate some of that talent, rekindle some of the talent that's still on here that might have been dormant for the past couple of years. But it, it, it's going to be interesting to see if anything has changed, and, and if it has, then I'm sure they'll get rewarded with a primetime uh, game down the stretch because there could be, you know, potentially intriguing games on on the schedule. But at the same time, like. I'm 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 fine with no Thursday night games. That's that's one that's one way ticket to getting injured late late in the season. And like e- even still, like on the surface level, there's not tremendously inter- interesting games without knowing if these teams are good or not. But um, if they if they earned it, then then they'll earn it. And then we'll see if they're really ready for it. You going to any games? You going to go to any in? Probably, I would assume in Cincinnati. But so the last my last game I went to was the Thursday nighter against the Dolphins in 2016. Well, that was a good one to go I, to. I haven't been back in two years, and that was mainly out of protest of, of the Marvin Lewis era. But maybe now the times have changed, so I might find myself down there. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I'm uh, actually. I, I think I'm gonna go to. So if anybody of that listens to this podcast of the the Bengals contingent, um, I think I might go to the Seattle game. Uh, we have some we have some friends that live up there, and. Um, Actually, one of which was some of the friends that were out. If you saw, if you listened to last week's episode, I was in Las Vegas, and there were some friends of ours that were in Las Vegas. That's why we made the trip out there. So they live out kind of in the Seattle-ish area. We have another set of friends that live out there. My brother and his son want to go. So we're talking about going. Um, we didn't really, we didn't think it would be week one. We thought it was maybe going to be like week two or week three or something like that. But. Um, we might do that one. So if anyone's, uh, you know, if you're, if you follow me on Twitter or anything like that, I'll let you know if I, I end up going, but that's one I might go to. I mean, Oakland is obviously an easy trip from where I am, but uh, I've been to an Oakland game before. Those aren't fun, man. That, that is not a fun <laughs> venue to go see an opposing team at. So um, 
I don't know. There's those, those are probably the couple. I don't think I'm I'm going to make it out to Cincinnati this year. Unfortunately, we I did go to the, the the home opener in 16, so I was there probably just what a week before you uh, were at oh, a yeah. game that year against the Den- against yeah. the the Broncos. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, but interesting. You're you are going to put up a post on CincyJungle.com that is going to be a prediction, early predictions. Obviously, I, I think this is going up probably before the NFL draft picks are going to be in. Um, I, I think it's kind of a reaction piece to the the schedule, but do you have, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, spoil that post, but I mean, do you have some thoughts and or predictions that you want to share with us on the air before that, that post goes, goes live on the site? So I literally ran through the schedule in like two minutes and just jotted down a W or an L next to each game and didn't really think about it much. And it's it's similar to last year in in a good and a bad way, I guess. So, okay, check, check it out. Check it out. Okay, yeah. So good. Check out John Sheeran's um, John Sheeran's schedule prediction and reaction piece. Um, maybe we'll add this media to it, John. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I think I think caught. Uh, Cautious optimism is is something to to be. There's something to be said about being in that camp right now. I, I think the you know as you look at it, to me this potentially smells like Marvin Lewis's first year, um, where maybe it's a slow start and or you know they, they kind of get some things going and they're uh, you know they're. In the playoff hunt towards the end of the year, maybe they drop the ball at the end of the year and um, they don't end up making it. But um, this seems like it could be an eight or nine win type of scenario. Um, And that's, again, just kind of looking at this basically since it came out 30 minutes before this show. But um, very conservatively speaking, I mean, I can see it being an eight and eight, maybe nine and seven and then going maybe even one game the other way. So seven to nine win range, I think is um, kind of what I'm looking at at this point, but the Cincinnati Bengals schedule is out uh, again, week one Seahawks week uh, at Seahawks week two home for 49ers week three at bills week four at Pittsburgh on Monday night football week five host the Cardinals week six host the Ravens week seven, uh, excuse me, week six at Baltimore, week seven hosts the Jaguars, week eight in London against the Rams, week nine is the bye, week 10 hosts the Ravens, week 11 at the Raiders, week 12 hosts the Steelers, week 13 hosts the Jets, week 14 at Cleveland, week 15 hosts the Patriots, week 16 at Miami, week 17 to end the season, they host the Browns, and maybe that maybe that game will mean something, we'll see. Um, but, uh, it'd be nice. And obviously that would be the, the NFL's goal is to have those games at the end of the season mean something. So, and keep your eye out for John Sheeran's, as I mentioned, is, is schedule reaction and predictions piece that's going up on cincyjungle.com. Speaking of cincyjungle.com, that is one of the places you can get this program along on, as well as on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, Spotify, Megaphone, and our YouTube channel, so we appreciate however you get the show. Try and join us live on YouTube and Cincy Jungle if you're able. Otherwise, get the show on those platforms how you can after the fact. We appreciate all of the support. Well, it's time, John. 
It's time yes, to it un unleash the beast, as they say. Uh, and we, by the way, I guess we should backtrack a little bit. We're, we're going to open up the phone lines late in the show if we have time. So you can s give us a call after our mock drafts are, are finished at 949-542-6241. Um, you can shoot us a text during and tell us how big of idiots we are and how much you hate our picks because that is bound to be the case with mock drafts. Um, so you can you can hit us up there, or you can leave your comments in the live YouTube chat or the comment thread at cincyjungle.com. And we'll try and get to those comments as well as some questions at the end of the show as we uh, finish up our mock drafts. But it is time for us to unveil our mock drafts. Now, unfortunately, we just don't have the time to do a seven-round mock draft, and the fact that the Bengals have like 28 sixth-round picks, um, that just... <laughs> <laughs> that would take forever. So uh, I, John, I, I've already got mine set up. I'm sure you do as well. I did not include any trades. Um, there was one scenario where I was thinking about it, but I didn't do it. This is awkward. I traded up to the first overall pick with mine. Did you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I got five picks. Okay. Right. That's that's what I have too. Uh, so uh, they're, they're just kind of a spoiler alert. There were no trades in mine. Sounds like there's no trades in yours. What we're going to do, we're going to do this a little different. We're going to kind of keep the listeners in suspense as we go. So we're going to start in round five and work our way up. The Bengals have a pick in each one of those rounds. We are going to start with the lower picks and work our way up. Before we start unveiling our picks, John, I want to ask you this because there let's preface this this mock draft with there's a formula that we're using here the formula is what we think the Bengals are going to do the impressions the Bengals are giving us in terms of what they might do as well as some of our favorite players in this draft in terms of their potential fit and need for the Cincinnati Bengals and kind of playing into you know the impressions that the Bengals are giving us I guess what what we think we know going into this draft. So if you have some, some quick bullet points that would maybe help explain why you went the why you went the route you're gonna tell us you went throughout this mock draft, um, in terms of maybe some things you think you know about the Bengals as they head into the draft next week. So I think I know that three or at least four or let's say like three of the first five or six picks are going to be in the front seven of the defense. Because I think despite Zach Taylor's arrival and, and being an offensive coach, I think defense is probably going to be the majority of their first major draft picks of this draft to fix that unit that was ranked 31st expected points added. And along with the fact that I th they their, their secondary is pretty stacked. and Not stacked where it being the best in the NFL, but comparative to what their linebacking group is, and what the depth on the defensive line is, it, it's it, it's porous in terms of the front seven. So I think they've shown in guys that they brought in for meetings that they're willing to attack that as early as possible if the right player is there. And if not, they've got contingency plans for other players to to at multiple positions to kind of fill out that position group. And at the start of them of, of the whole process, before they signed Bobby Hart. Um, there was the impression that they were looking at offense tackles early. Then they signed Bobby Hart and, I guess, backed into a, a deal in case they ended up not being able to draft the guy in the first round to just get him on the books. 
But then as time has progressed into a week before the draft, now they're starting to show interest in the best offensive tackles in this class, Sands, Jonah Williams. So I think offensive tackles still on the radar in, within the first two or three rounds. So a lot of trench interest on the offensive and defensive line, and as well as linebackers, they've obviously shown interest in the, the best two Devons, Devin Bush and Devin White. And yeah, I think those are their established three biggest areas of concern. And the only, only position that a lot of people care about is quarterback. And honestly, they just haven't, they've been extremely secretive about it. They've, they've, they've sat on their hands a lot in, in the process and we don't know too much about what they're thinking about it. And maybe that's by design. Maybe they don't want to tip their hand in, in, into showing interest in these quarterbacks in case they don't want their first round plans to get messed up. But in any case, you know, it's very much up in the air and I might not be willing to address that position in this mock draft based off of their perceived lack of interest in that area. Well said. And uh, hard to disagree with pretty much anything you said there. Um, some of the things that I put down in terms of things I think I know or, or how I came to the conclusion of these picks that we're going to get to in just a second. Um, I put, I, th I think that the Bengals think that they have solved many of their offensive line issues. And I think you touched on that with Bobby Hart. They signed, uh, you know, Miller, uh, John Miller at the, at the guard position. They re-signed Alex Redman. Um, they re-signed Trey Hopkins. I think the Bengals, now that doesn't mean they're not going to take an offensive lineman. Doesn't mean they're not going to take an offensive lineman with a higher pick. I just don't see them either reaching for one. I don't see them. I, I think that they think they've got things more or less figured out or that they're comfortable with not necessarily needing to take an offensive lineman high. Uh, and I think that the interior offensive line group is very crowded. Christian Westerman's still there along with all the other names I just mentioned. Clint Bowling's still there, who is their, you know, probably their best offensive lineman at this point. So, um, you know, I think they think that they figure stuff out there and that played into my equation. Uh, my thing is, is I don't, if they don't take a quarterback at 11, I think they're going to wait until late in the draft to for a developmental guy. Yeah. And let him duke it out for I don't think that they're going to tinker around with these mid-round guys. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be either 11 or it's going to be someone late that they think that they can develop and be, you know, compete with Jeff Driscoll as the backup. Then maybe they wait the next year or the year after for a quarterback. Um, but, uh, I, I think it's one or the other there. Um, I think character, you know, we can laugh about Jim Turner and all that stuff. I do think character is going to play into this draft. I think Taylor wants to make a statement there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, those are some of the, th oh, and the other thing I wanted to throw out is I, you know, I don't know if this is still the mindset, but at least under Marvin Lewis and in recent drafts, the Bengals seem to really like guys from big schools. Um, they don't, they don't do the small school aspect. They get the power programs. They get the guys who performed well against really stiff competition. So, um, uh, that kind of played into some of my picks. And that's always been something that Duke Tobin said. And I, I believe it transcends more than just a Marvin Lewis mindset. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, that being said, my friend, do you want me to start or do you want to kick it off? I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off. Okay. Round five. Round pick, five. Uh, pick 149, I believe it is. It's crazy. It's round five and everybody's on the board. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm going to go with 
maybe the pick that I'm least confident in, which makes sense because it's round five. Oh, but, hold on uh, one sec before you do it. I'm sorry, and we'll get we'll, we'll tee it up again. Just so you know, and so everybody knows, there's going to be people that are going to say that guy's yeah. not going to be available in this round. Yes. That guy's not going to be available in that <laughs> round. All that kind of stuff. First of all, we know. Second of all, we're not soothsayers and 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 we don't have a crystal ball in front of us. We're doing the best we can with our knowledge of players, what the Bengals want, all that kind of stuff. Third, and, and a point that I think a lot of people need to realize, every year people say that that guy's never going to be there. That guy's never going to be there. Well, remember when everybody said the Bengals were going to draft Andrew Billings in the first round and he fell all the way to the fourth round? Do you remember when guys tumble for no reason on draft day? Sometimes it's a reason that comes out on draft day. Weird things happen. Guys are available. There are runs on certain position groups at certain times that cause other players to fall. Georgia Loco was a fifth uh, fifth round pick or sixth round pick. Mar- Marvin Jones, same deal. Um, so, if you want to criticize, fine, but let's let's at least play within those confines. Now that I said that, let me tee you up, John, with pick five or round five, pick one forty nine. Who do you have? I'm gonna go with Dalen Mack. Defensive lineman from Texas A&M. Texas okay. A&M has connection with Jim Turner. You know, he's obviously has um, exposure to him as the offensive line coach, and he went against him a lot. Mac was a guy who I first noticed at the Senior Bowl along with his teammate in Kingsley Kiki. Uh, Kiki is more of the traditional three technique pass rusher, and Mac is actually a 330 pound nose tackle. And the Bengals, I think, have shown interest more in three techniques than they have in nose tackles. But just looking at what the roster is right now and where I think they may feel more comfortable than not at that position, they have Gene, they have Andrew Billings with one year left on this contract. And that's honestly an interesting debate to look at further into the offseason. Behind him, they don't really have much at the position. They, they re-signed Josh Tupo to an exclusive rights deal, but that essentially means he's a camp body. We don't know how much attachment he has to the current coaching staff there. And last year, they really tried to make Ryan Glasgow into a three technique. And the, in the weeks that he was healthy, he did show some promise, some flash. I don't trust Glasgow long-term as a three technique option viable behind Geno Atkins. But right now, I think that's still his position there. And they obviously still have Geno. So looking at how the roster can be constructed and who's going to be active, I think that at least until I know that this isn't going to translate or transcend the Marvin Lewis era, they might be looking for that backup who also has versatility to go up against the guard. And I think that Mac has that because at 330 pounds, he's extremely athletic. He ran like a 5-140 at the combine and, and showed very solid explosion numbers as well. So I think he has penetration ability similar to Billings, but I think um, he's better than Billings in terms of um, an overall tackle radius and just getting hands on guys and finishing plays in the backfield. And that gives him an, an upside to kind of steal some snaps away from Billings as they may be prepared to move on from him after the season. So fifth round, I think they eventually do draft a defensive tackle sometime in this draft. And they've always been known to kind of um, focus on that position in the middle round. So um, Mac is kind of a value pick here uh, in the fifth round. This query is projected according to draftscout.com. Um, good athlete, big school, connection to Jim Turner. I'm going to go with Dalen Mack. Dalen Mack. Defensive defensive lineman from uh, Texas A&M. I went round five, pick one forty nine, and I love this kid. One of my one of my personal favorites in the draft. I went Bryce Love, the running back out of Stanford. Um, Cincinnati potentially needs uh, now. This may be a little bit of a luxury pick based on some needs on defense and all of that. 
Uh, Cincinnati needs another running back because Mark Walton was released, and it's a shame that they need to to use another pick. But this is a guy uh, – it's a position that they need. Giovanni Bernard has had a little bit of durability issues over the years. Joe Mixon missed a couple of games last year. And this is a change-of-pace guy. But this is a guy that was a Heisman uh, candidate type of guy in 2017. He had an insane year. Um, about 2,100 rushing yards, uh, 20-some touchdowns at that point. 2018, he battled injuries, so the numbers took a big dip. Um, he is also known as uh, an extremely high-character guy uh, from, from what I know of him. So uh, I, I think he fits I, – I think his ceiling is a guy that is a – you know. A rotational back in the NFL, um, a guy you could lean on for a couple of games for, you know, potential production from a starting back. But um, he he needs to do a little bit better in in catching the football. But um, he's a big play guy. He's a smaller guy, and uh, you know his his coach David Shaw at Stanford spoke you know so well of him. So I, I'm I'm going to say Bryce Love is a pick that the Bengals could use at running back in, in round five, pick 149. Uh, and, uh, you know, Zach Taylor gets a new toy to play with, so to speak, uh, as he as he builds this offense. All right. So my next pick, I actually changed it right before we started recording because it was originally a tight end. And throughout this entire process, I'm – Tight end was a position that I've, I've always thought that the Bengals would address kind of in this range because of what the position group is right now. It's a lot of uncertainty behind C.J. Zoma. Eifert's on a one-year deal, and they have basically undrafted free agents filling out the rest of the roster. But I'm going to make a bold prediction right now. I think they draft a wide receiver before they draft a tight end in this class because of the interest that they've shown in a number of wide receivers. And the receiver I'm picking here is actually somebody who visited with the team uh, today, Wednesday, the 17th, the last day for pre-draft visits, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver mm. out of Ohio State. And I'm going to go with this pick because, one, I think he has the potential to be active on game days because he's a special teamer. He's a special team gamer. He's a gunner on punt teams. And the, for the OSU fans who listen to this podcast, who are also Bengals fans, they know what I'm talking about. He flies down the field on punts, and he loves doing it. And that was the something that really stood out in the Senior Bowl, and that's two Senior Bowl guys that I've picked so far. Um, but uh, when he's on offense, he's, he's a game breaker on, on those vertical routes. And why wasn't massively productive in OSU's offense, um, mainly because of the offense that they ran with Dwayne Haskins, a lot of mesh, a lot of underneath concepts. And that was mainly Paris Campbell's game. Uh, McLaurin's teammate, um, McLaurin didn't get a lot of downfield deep threat shots. Like a guy like Devin Smith did, um, a handful of years ago, but that might've been a case of just underutilization. And I think in terms of just filling out that receiving group with a guy that can stretch the field who can give them some snaps in case maybe John Ross go, goes down with under injury for, to replace that niche role who also has special teams versatility to be able to, to make the dress list every week because of that. And also provide some type of insurance because you have Tyler Boyd entering a contract year, AJ Green entering contract year. I'm not saying he's going to develop into those caliber players down the line because he didn't have that um, pr production precedent to hit a high quality outcome. But on day three, when, when you have an athletic guy like this, who can do multiple things. I think that's one of the things would value very much. So Terry McLaurin, yeah, uh, the Bengals have met, I think this week they met with both Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin. Yeah. So uh, both uh, OSU wideouts there. So there, there's definitely some interest um, 
at, on some level uh, by the Bengals in, in the OSU wideouts there. This is the Orange and Black Insider five-round mock draft. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. This mock draft is brought to you by New Era Caps. For those of you tuning in, you can see my my lovely draft cap. So uh, thank you to New Era for uh, sponsoring this segment. And go get yourself a draft hat and wear it and sport it like I am going to next week for the NFL draft. Uh, as And I'll be taking it off to wipe my sweaty brow because we'll be busy, man. Um, we will be busy <laughs> next week. There is no doubt. Um, so you have for your first two picks, John, just real quick, you have say, say them again, Dalen Mack right, in round five and Terry McLaurin and Terry McLaurin. Okay. I have Bryce love the running back out of Stanford for round five, pick one forty nine, and I'm going to stay. And this is our boy, John, I'm going to stay in round four, pick one ten. I'm going to stay in the pack 12 Chuma Adoga, the tackle from USC. Um, you know, I knew him when you mentioned him, and to be quite honest, I've watched more and more of him since you started bringing him up on this on this program. So I got to give a tip of the cap to you for for talking about him. High upside guy. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of athleticism there. He did have some some injury issues last uh, last year. He needs some developmental work, but he has potential to play either right tackle or left tackle at the next level. Probably needs a year or two to be, you know, a truly effective starter. Um, and I think at some point he, he can supplant uh, Bobby Hart probably after this initial year of Bobby Hart's uh, new contract that he signed. You know, I looked at it. There, there are some people that say, oh, he's not a great pass blocker, but he's a good run blocker. And then there's other people who say that it's the opposite. He's he's a good – he's good against the pass, but not the run. And I, you know, I looked at it and I saw, I saw games where it was, it was one or the other, and he didn't really do both well at a lot of the same time uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of the same games. Now, some, some of that has to do with scheme. Some of that has to do with the struggling Trojans team, all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I think that, uh, I, I think that if he, if he is coached well and not, in the laughable Jim Turner school of offensive line coaching that we have seen in the past. Uh, but if he is coached well, I think he has, you know, potential to be an effective starter, especially at right tackle for this team. He's got athleticism. He just needs work. He needs uh, some coaching. Um, and if I, I think if he can put have times where he can fully put together the run blocking and the pass protection in the same game or in long stretches, um, I think he's going to be a very good player. Uh, it's just, you know, like I said, it's his tape is a lot of bits and pieces. Um, it's like bits and pieces of good here and then kind of just, eh. Um, so I, he needs a little more consistency for me. But uh, round four, pick 110, Chuma Doga. So I have Bryce Love, the running back, and Chuma Doga, the offensive tackle out of USC. Yeah, if you're drafting a tackle in the fourth round, your best your, your best hope is he turns it into Anthony Collins. I think yep. that's... It's not the, the the dimensions aren't exactly similar, but I think that's play style. It's a, it's a decent comp because Collins is probably more well known as a as a pass protector than a run blocker who came in pinches and just did his job well. And fortunately for him, he overperformed and and got and got paid probably more yeah. than he should have. But yeah, yeah. If, if that's a Doga's career, then then you'll definitely accept that for a fourth round pick. Yep. Um, my third round pick. So last year, my biggest fear was the Bengals taking. Orlando Brown 
with or around where they would pick right now in the third round because um, I didn't have a lot of confidence in Brown developing into a high quality starter. He, um, man, he surprised people. He surprised he? he surprised me a little bit because he played a lot better than he, my my expectations were. I still don't think he's going to be where people say he is right now. But yeah. um, I'm going to make a pick that's kind of equal to that. Not an offensive tackle, but a player who's had a similar fall from grace in this pre-draft process, and that's Jacob Polite, the defensive yeah. end from Florida. Right now, that's the third round is about the middle of where people see him. He could be, he might even be a day three pick because of just how tumultuous his pre-draft process was, but he might end up going in the second round. So the third round kind of fits in an intermediate spot with that and also fits where the Bengals typically draft at Rutgers. Third round is like the sweet spot for them. And just looking at what what they have at the defensive end right now, they have two starters, presumed starters, and Dunlap and the presumed starter would be Sam Hubbard, replacing Michael Johnson as that quote-unquote base defensive end. Then you have Carl Lawson as your nickel guy, replacing Hubbard, who, in, in fairness, is coming off a torn ACL, and we don't know how quickly he's going to return to that form. And, and he, even so, the, his second year wasn't as promising as we thought. He didn't make he quite make the jump from that rookie, from that promising rookie year that he made. So overall, the, the, the defensive end group is not as promising, I think, as some people may make it out to believe it, it be, because I don't think that Hubbard is right now a dominant pass rusher. And even with six sacks to his name, I think that he still has a lot of work to do with that. And for what Polite should be expected to do, just, just provide a pass rushing spark. And I don't expect him at this point to develop into a high-quality player because he doesn't he didn't test with the athleticism to do that. And honestly, there's probably more questions than answers with who he is as a person and what maybe what his effort is and what what you know, his character is and all that stuff. And that's why he's going to be available at, or probably around this juncture, but just coming as a fourth defensive end to kind of relieve Dunlap at, at either strong side defensive end or weak side defensive end in those nickels, in those nickel situations. And honestly, with the Bengals experience with, with drafting Dunlap, who could have been a first round pick back in 2010, he had some incidents off the field with some questions with his effort and character. He ended up dropping to the second round and he's developed into a pretty good player in it in, in his own right. So Bengals have experience with a similar situation in that. And I think with what they need at defensive end and what the value is here, and they don't have to expect polite to be a great player in the future because that, those expectations have kind of been thrown out the window at this point. So I think for what they need and what polite is and what they can expect him to be, this kind of makes a lot of sense. And plus they met with him earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's another connection that, you know, in what we think we know, I mean, the Bengals do have um, connections to, you know, they draft or especially in the undrafted free agent uh, arena, they, they usually draft, um, you know, or, or bring in people that they have met with previously. So for me, this, this, this one may or may not be a popular one, but I, I have long said on this podcast uh, over the past couple of months, I've, I've said that this position is a sneaky need. Um, you have already addressed it. I have not. But round three, pick 72. This guy is either going to go way higher than everybody thinks or he's going to go way lower than everybody thinks. And I went with Riley Ridley, the receiver out of Georgia. Uh, the Bengals, as we know, love Georgia players. Ridley could very well be a second-round player, uh, but he's not his brother. His brother, Calvin Ridley, was far more explosive, um, and, and that's what propelled him into the late first round. This kid is just solid in everything he does, from skills to his size. His 
40 it, it is a little bit on the poor side, which is maybe pushing him to the round three area. Um, and that's uh, if, you, if you look at uh, John Ledyard, John Ledyard's breakdown from the draft network of him. He has him as a third round player. The Bengals look, there's been some very, very vague and unfounded rumors, uh, trade rumors with AJ Green. There was the weird trade rumor situation with John Ross, Tyler Boyd and AJ Green are both in contract years. And then behind those three, they've, I mean, yeah, they have Alex Erickson, but he is more of the special teams ace. There's just a lot of, eh. and I think that, and I debated on who to actually take. Round three for me was a wide receiver pick for me because, you know, it's not an overly pressing need to me, but I do think that Taylor's going to want to collect some capable wide receivers like he had in L.A. Uh, you know, and, and they got a lot of those guys. Josh Reynolds, third-round pick. Cooper Cup, uh, excuse me, Josh Reynolds, fourth-round pick. Cooper Cup, third-round pick right around – the area that Riley Ridley, we, we, I have him being selected here. So, um, you know, he's, he's very, he's a very good route runner. He's got very good hands. He didn't run all that well. Um, but like I said, Cincinnati loves those Georgia players. There's unclear futures of green Ross and Boyd and in a, however you want to play that out. And then, you know, he could be a good red zone guy. Um, and, and if, everything works out well at that position group, green Boyd, Ross, all those guys are here and um, maybe even extend green and, and Boyd going forward. The Rams use a lot of four wide receiver sets. So, uh, you know, that, that could be a thing that Ridley's maybe that four guy. Um, and, uh, or if John Ross doesn't take the, the steps needed, he kind of becomes an, a, a three guy. So, um, that, that's kind of my rationale on that one. So Riley Ridley was my third round pick for the Bengals. Yeah. I think we're in agreement of the overall assessment of receivers of what that means to Zach Taylor and what it means to what they have right now, because I, I don't think anybody would be necessarily upset with a fresh investment in receivers because of what is there at the moment. Josh, Josh Malone, Cody core don't really give you much. And there is a thought of a, a brand new set of eyes taking over and kickstarting their development. But when you come from an offense of the Rams and go to the, going to the Bengals, you have obviously Lee town up front with green and Boyd, but behind them, as, as we've seen, if one of the one or both of those guys go down, then there's just not a lot to pick up the pieces and help on any Dawn. So early investment in receiver is probably the worst idea. And I'm, 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 I'm glad we are in agreement with that. So moving on to the second round, uh, I, offensive tackle is like the, I mean, a big conundrum for me in terms of where the Bengals could address it because I could see them going, um, avoiding it until the fourth round with a guy like Max Sharping, who's one of my personal favorites. I can see him dipping in the third round, and I can also see him going into the second or first round. But I think this is probably the sweet spot based off where I think they're going to go in the first round. And this is, I think, a good area because I think this player will come off the board right around here, and it's someone that they've also shown interest in earlier in the draft process. I don't think they brought him in for a private meeting, but they did meet him as pro day. I do think he checks the boxes of what they're looking for, and it's Dalton Risner. Um, obviously, another senior bowl guy, another tenacious guy, probably fits what Jim Turner is looking for with his with his guys and the, their mentality. Um, solid size, like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, six, 315 pounds, 34-inch arms. Um, tested well to stay outside of tackle because he has enough speed and explosion to get out in space into his kick sets and pass protect. PFF loves him in terms of pass, produ pass protection production 
but he also has a road grader in, in, inside of him and he, he can drive guys off the ball. So he can do basically anything that you want him to do. And that the, not, not only includes just pass protecting and run blocking as a tackle, he has positional versatility. Um, at the senior bowl, he talked about he loved playing center, but he played mostly guard or he played a pinch of guard at Kansas State and he ended up finishing his career at right tackle. So yeah. I think for the Bengals, are probably looking for on offensive line. They're looking for a guy that can play multiple positions because yep. in terms of what they have right now, they have most of that group filled out, but they just need a guy to kind of round out the entire group and give them versatility and depth at multiple positions in case injuries occur. And I think for what the plan is right now, they have both Westerman Hopkins and bowling entering for agency after 2019 and I guess Bobby Hart is basically playing on three one-year deals, essentially or at least um, after 2019, he's probably got, he, he should be looking behind his back in, in case someone can come up and replace him. So I think right now and for 2019, Risner would be just the swing tackle to, to be active on game days, but also be able to play inside in case something goes down there. And in the future, if they have an opening at guard, at left guard or right guard, I think that Risner could be expected to slide in there and maybe do like a reverse Whitworth and play guard and then maybe further in his career move out to tackle. But I think he just fits what they are looking for in terms of just adding one more offensive lineman to the group. I, you know, that is that is actually a guy I uh, contemplated putting in my spot for this round, but uh, I, I did not. But uh, very good. You know, I think he's going to be a guy in the NFL where regardless of where he goes, he's probably going to always be very good. I don't think he's going to ever be like a perennial Pro Bowl guy. I don't know that he will ever be the Andrew Whitworth level, but I think he's going to be a very good player for somebody. Like you said, I, I think the guard tackle thing is uh, valuable, especially to a team like the Cincinnati Bengals. So um, good pick there, John. My second round pick, so I went uh, from, from rounds three, four, and five. I went offense, offense, offense. Uh, guess what needs the most work based on last year? It's the defense. And with round two, pick 42, I went with Mac Wilson, the linebacker out of Alabama. Uh, guy needs a lot of work in terms of – well. I don't, I don't want to say he needs a lot of work, but he needs some work because there was a dip in production and a dip in, in uh, play from 2017 to 2018. He, he seemed to play with great instincts in 2017. Not so much. He was a little bit more, um, I don't know what you want to call it, robotic or just uh, didn't really play with as much you know, raw instinct this last year as he did the year prior. But good player, good athleticism. He's not... A, you know, maybe the the past defender that you may see from uh, a Devin Bush or somebody like that, but um, I think uh, I, I think he's capable. Um, he is an inside linebacker, but I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to do a lot of stuff to um, mix things up, and I think he's he's more versatile as a linebacker than a Preston Brown is. Uh, Preston Brown's kind of that real squatty, you know. Um, thumper middle linebacker uh, Mac Wilson does you know thump and he's he's got some some meat on him but I think he is a guy that uh, you can move around you can play him you're more comfortable playing him in space than you are a Preston Brown so um, you know and the Bengals I mean I guess I'm going back to the previous regime but the Bengals like to pick linebackers in round two they did it with Odell Thurman and they did it with Ray Maluga so I mean they they've done it before uh that that seems to be around that they um 
like to to get a linebacker primarily from a big school. So um, I'm going to go Mac Wilson. Needs some work, but I think could be end up being a, a very good football player for the defense at a position of need. You then flank Preston Brown in the middle if you do the, the traditional three set. You have Nick Vigil, um, and then maybe you you know you play uh, Mac Wilson maybe as your strong side uh, to start off, and then he eventually supplants Preston Brown on the inside. But uh, I think there's going to be some diversity in the scheme where you can move Wilson around and, and play to his strengths. Yeah, I, I like that because I think we'll. I'm always hesitant of Alabama linebackers because they don't really produce and Wilson's really no exception to that, but he's young and he only played, I think three years there. So he might've been more productive had he stayed and gotten a lot, a lot more tackles this senior year. But I do think in comparison to a guy like Rashawn Evans and uh, Reuben Foster came before him, I think he does play better in space and he has more of an, an adapt sense and coverage, which will definitely help him stay on the field for third down. So um, there's talk about him, like potentially sliding like further down to day, in, into the day two range, but I think if he's yeah. still there and the Bengals don't take a linebacker um, in, the, in the first round, he'll definitely be high on their list in terms of priority. Yeah, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe my third and second round picks, uh, yeah. uh, right? Maybe those will those will flip. Who knows? But uh, you know, I think it's a guy that uh, should be up there in terms of of needs. Before we get to our first round picks, John, do you mind just running through your rounds right. rounds uh, two through five in whichever order you would like, since we've already unveiled them? But uh, if you want to just remind folks about that. So counting down from five, four, three, two, we have Dalen Mack, the defensive tackle from Texas A and M. Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver from Ohio State, or sorry, the Ohio State University. <laughs> um, J- J- Jakai Polite, defensive end from Florida in round three. And round two was Dalton Risner, the offensive lineman from Kansas State. Awesome. And I had uh, round five, Bryce Love, the running back out of Stanford, round four. Chuma Adoga, the offensive tackle out of USC, round three. Riley Ridley, the receiver out of Georgia, round two. Mac Wilson, linebacker out of Alabama. And before we unveil our first round picks, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We're having some fun doing a five-round mock draft courtesy of New Era. And by the way, what a what a nice sponsor for the new era. It's a new day, right? I mean, it plays into the whole the whole deal with the Cincinnati Bengals in 2019. So thanks to New Era for sponsoring this segment. And uh, you can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on the Megaphone platform. It's also on CincyJungle.com and YouTube. So subscribe to our channels. Get to us how you can. We're going to try and get to some, uh, maybe a couple of questions and reactions here where we're running a little long, but. Um, we'll try and get to those here in just a little bit. Uh, John, round one, pick 11, my friend. Um, who you got? So, spoiler, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ignore the linebacker needing to round six. So, this is going to be a linebacker. Um, I think, I think it's going to be a similar situation to last year because, um, I think the Bengals. Showed a lot of interest in what many many people regarded as the best linebacker, or the best center in last year's class. He ended up getting taken right before him, and I think it's going to be a similar situation. They're going to take the second best player um, at the, their biggest position of need, a position that they haven't drafted in the first round in quite some time. Maybe not as long as center because they drafted Keith Rivers back in two thousand eight. But I think I think linebacker is probably going to be the pick here. And I think it's not going to be Devin White because he's going to be off the board. I think it's going to be Devin Bush, um, the linebacker out of Michigan. I think for what they need 
in terms of replacing Vontaze Perfect, not only a guy who can play on the outside and run, run and chase and drop back into coverage and to be, be a playmaker for all three downs, but to, to, to be a catalyst, to, to, to be a leader, to be a spark on the defense. I think Bush has the capability to do that. He's only not, he's, the, he's turning 21 this summer. He's not even 21 right now, but in that Michigan defense, it's, it, it's hard. It's, it's hard to be productive when you're surrounded by a, a lot of NFL ready talent. And he definitely was in Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, a couple defensive backs along, along with him. But in the, in the time that he started, he still produced and that's, it's important for linebackers. And s- some would say that he has a more innate building coverage than a guy like Devin white does. And he plays maybe a little bit more under control and maybe doesn't have the, the like the, the greatest dimensions that you want from a prototypical linebacker. Cause he isn't six foot. He doesn't have um, 33, 34 inch arms, but when he hits you, he hits you, and that was that's that's a physical attribute that is definitely well well needed when you're facing the AFC North teams t- towards the late the late in December, and just rounding out that linebacking group for a guy that can play next to Preston Brown, who can stay on the field for all three downs, and can just be a leader for the defense going forward and doing their best to just turn around because defenses who do have that quick turnaround, they usually just they just find a playmaker, some type of catalyst, some type of leader. The Jets did that with Jamal Adams, uh, 2017. He really turned around that defense and made him into a, a force to be reckoned with and really asserted himself as a leader in that locker room. I think Bush can do a similar thing, and I think that's something that they value with, with that because the thing that they talked about with Price last year is, is how he commanded how he commanded the OSU's locker room, how he commanded meeting rooms, and I think Bush has that similar um, intangible to him, and I think that's ultimately what's going to make them attracted to him the most, and not only does it fit as a need, but just fit as somebody that I think um, checks all the other all the other boxes besides just what position that he plays and all that other stuff. I like it. Uh, you went you went a tiny bit more realistic than I did. Um, mine mine does have a little bit of an air of a pipe dream to it, but there are reasons why I think this person either could be there at number 11 or maybe the Bengals move up a couple spots to get this player. Before I, I say that, uh, John, you did not, did, did I hear you right? You didn't, you didn't have a, a quarterback taken in the first five picks, did you? I, I did not. Okay. Uh, neither did I. And the guy I think the Bengals uh, could be looking at, and the reason why I did pick this guy again, there's a little bit of a pipe dream aspect, but he could slip through the cracks out of the top 10. He could, uh, he could, um, you know, it could be the Bengals move up to get him a little bit, but I went with that all over. Um, And there's a, there's a reason why I don't, I don't common, common knowledge tells you he's probably going top seven. Um, now there are, I keep reading on him. I keep reading on him. There are some significant concerns on his size, um, by scouts. Uh, they thought he played at about a defensive end type of weight last year, um, which is, you know, two sixties, two seventies. Um, there is some immense depth along the defensive line this year, whether that's uh, defensive end or, you know, Quinn and Williams and, and all of these guys, we don't know. There's probably going to be two quarterbacks taken um, before the Bengals pick. Someone may move in and get a, an offensive lineman. Um, weird things might happen within the top 10. So he could slip in uh, to the Bengals to 11. Unlikely, but possible. I am doing a write-up on him for CincyJungle.com as, you know, the 11 for 11 series. He was one of the guys that the Bengals could be looking at. So, um, again, 
not overly likely that he gets to them at 11. Maybe they need to move up and get him, but it is possible. There are possible, there are possible scenarios in which he gets there. Still, a lot of criticism and the criticisms, oddly enough, John, are very similar to what was said about Geno Atkins and Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. Um, he's too small. He can't, he can't do all the things the big tackles can do. Um, he's kind of, you know, he, for this kid, uh, he didn't play against great competition. Um, but his tape is incredible. I, I went and saw like, you know, his highlights and all that kind of stuff. His effort level is incredible. Um, and you know, he's, he's known as a pretty good kid. Uh, you know, Taylor was in LA with, you know, kind of two defensive tackles that played well with each other and Sue and Donald that kind of had um, some similarities in terms of what they can do. So, you know, the, the downside is he's not, he, if, if the Bengals were to get him, he wouldn't necessarily come in and be a, a starter, but he would be a heavy rotator. He would come in and be uh, really a, a big boost to a team that needs a lot of help on defense. That's why I went round one and round two on defense uh, right in the middle of that defense. So um, he's a guy, again, I don't, I think your scenario is a little bit more real realistic in terms of, you know, Devin Bush off the board, all that kind of stuff. But there is, there are some scenarios that could deliver Ed Oliver to the Bengals um, with their pick. And I think you absolutely sprint to the podium if he's there. And like you said, John, you know, you, he is a kind of a three technique guy and that those are some of the guys that the Bengals are showing interest in mostly uh, right now. So that's who I've, that's who I've got. Am I crazy to think he'll be there? No, because the NFL just tends to overthink things too much. And yeah, like he played, he played 260, 265. I think Aaron Donald played like 270 this past season or, or the season before and hasn't really stopped him. And it's unfair to compare Oliver to Donald right now because you have to remember that Donald was a redshirt senior when he left Pittsburgh and Aaron Donald's only 21 years old. He only has three years of collegiate experience to his name. So the, te- the technical prowess is not close to Donald right now. And, that, and, that, and that's okay because Oliver still produced at an all pro level in terms of market share. He still tested pretty, pretty damn similar to Geno Atkins in terms of size, size adjusted testing. So he has the all pro traits to him. He has the age upside to him. He's not Aaron Donald, but he has the upside to become eventually Aaron Donald. And, and I think that's just not crazy to say, but it's also not crazy to say that the NFL and most, most of the teams that consistently pick in the bottom of the draft order can't get over these silly size stereotypes and want and have these ridiculous thresholds that just don't mean anything. And it's, it's not crazy to think that the NFL could overthink at Oliver because not too long ago, there were some teams b- believing that he should play linebacker instead of in the three point stance on the defensive line. So if he drops out of the top 10, the, like the only, the only way that, that the Bengals shouldn't take it at Oliver is if, is if they want a quarterback and they want like a Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke. But even still, there, there's an argument to be made that, you just have to take it at Oliver no matter what. Do, do you know when Aaron Donald was picked? 13th, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now, granted, that was a few years ago, and maybe some people have learned some things, but I don't. I, I, I think at that point, you know, Donald was a, a little bit of a cleaner, a tiny bit cleaner prospect than Oliver. Yeah. So that's where I sit here and I say, look, I, I, there, there are. It, it may be a, a touch unrealistic that he falls to 11. Maybe the Bengals scoot up a pick or two or – um, what have you. I think that is a difference-making player, um, though. I, his effort level is incredible. Um, he, he's not a, an outstanding pass rusher, but he can do some pass rush. Uh, he can give you some pass rush, and I think that that'll be boosted. That's the other thing that I love about the kid. 
he didn't really have a lot of surrounding help. He was the guy that offense is keyed on to block. And uh, so that's, that's what I liked about him. And, you know, you put him next to Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap and company, uh, you know, it could be a, a very good thing. So I went to recap. I went Ed Oliver. I went Mac Wilson. I went Riley Ridley. I went Chuma Adoga and I went Bryce Love. And John, yours? Dalen Mack, Terry McLaurin, um, Ja'Kai Polite, Dalton Risner, at all, or wow, uh, Devin Bush. Now I got to on Ed Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> now all I'm thinking about is Ed Oliver. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I think I think someone had said you won the draft by a hair. Uh, so congratulations, John. Just a hair? Yeah, just a hair. Um, so uh, congratulations on that. But uh, I think uh, I think both of our halls would have been good. I know some people will sit here and say, you know, either unrealistic or what have you. I get it. But we've seen weird things happen on draft day. And the other thing is, you know, a lot of people will say no quarterbacks huh, in the first five rounds. I just I, I think Zach Taylor wants to see what he can get out of Andy Dalton. It has a bridge year. And like I said, if it's not in the first round, I don't I think they're waiting. I think they're waiting. So um, we do have uh, a call on the line. It's from good friend Terrell here. I don't know if it's a reaction to our draft, but Terrell, how are you? Hey, how you doing? How you, how you guys doing? Well, I we're, I, I'm, I'm waiting to hear the the hate and uh, of how stupid I am on my draft here. So um, I, 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 I actually, I actually think both of y'all draft players, either one of them, will be great. I really do like like uh the the lineman uh from USC uh Dal Resner uh the wide receiver from Ohio State uh Bryce Love only thing about Bryce Love is I I rather have uh Darnell uh Henderson from uh, Memphis that's yeah. what I really want yeah and he's I, a good player uh, and uh, cause he 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 like a Cam- uh, Alvin Kamara to me but uh and, and also uh. I forgot. I don't know his first name, but the small school guy, uh, offensive lineman, Bradbury, Goodberry, Brad, Garrett, Garrett Bradbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, want, I, I like him too. I think his upside to me is greater than Billy Price's. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but, I agree with that. Uh, for the, and, and and I gotta say, the first round, I, I, uh. Can't even disagree with you on that. I I wholeheartedly agree with that. And three first round picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a yeah. Two two first round pit, last two first round picks, and then you know a high second round pick from years ago. So it's like, oh, wonderful. But um, you're you're not you're not wrong about that, Terrell. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Appreciate it, and uh, don't be a stranger. Um, so he likes he likes what we did on the mock draft there, John. Um, uh, well, so I, I guess we can pat each other. Pat ourselves on the back. I, I can't really pat you on the back, but I can pat myself. On the back. <laughs> um, so that was our five round mock draft, John Sheeran's and, and mine. Uh, that's the, the mock draft this week was courtesy of new era caps. Go get their new draft hat. I'm wearing it. It's pretty, pretty slick. Uh, so get, go get that. And um, yeah, 
go wear go wear it for the draft and let us know how dumb we are about our picks, our five picks, or let us know how smart we are. We take compliments too. So um, I, I see uh, just some comments here before we try and get to a couple of questions and, and then uh, vominos out of here. Uh, Millhouse Craig says drafting a QB this year would be stupid in all caps, in my opinion. Um, so I guess we're on the right track with, with him or her. <laughs> um, Optic Blast says I'd give Andy one more chance. He has been a much better quarterback than he gets credit for. Okay. Um, I mean, there's yes and no to that, but, uh, let's see. Uh, I don't like Greer and Haskins. Uh, I don't like Greer and Haskins would fit great in our offense as Roger Moore. Um, Ken Dipple says miracle next year. Bengals select Justin Herbert quarterback or Oregon. Well, that would maybe either require trading or being very awful this year. Uh, Greg Morris, the second, says Oliver would be great. Thanks, Greg. Uh, Spencer Myers was the one who said John Sheeran wins the draft by a hair. Love the Ed Oliver pick, though, if possible. So, um, okay, maybe we're not as big of idiots as I as I thought, John. Um, but uh, it was fun. It was fun. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to see how accurate we are uh, or, or inaccurate um, probably is going to be more the case because at least me. <laughs> yeah. If you had if you had a guess of like, because we're we're probably like a few days away from Lapham spilling the beans. Yeah, there's, there's usually like five or six guys who you can pretty much write on a, on a piece of paper as like the guys that they're like for sure targeting. If you had to guess right now, who do you think those five guys are? Because I, I I have a tentative list in my head right now. It's a great question. Um, I think I think it's White. I think it's Bush. I think it's Oliver. I think it's um. Uh, Wilkins, the, the, the kid from Clemson and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's Haskins, you know, maybe they do have a quarterback in there, but I think those are the five they're probably kicking around. I, you know, we, we had asked and I I got a text from, uh, I think it was Ken Dipple, uh, who said, you know, DK Metcalf, I, maybe they trade back and DK Metcalf. I mean, like, like our reasoning for McLaurin and, and, um, uh, Ridley, it makes sense, but I, I don't. I don't think a first round pick makes sense there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's possible. Uh, but I think if if you were to ask me, I, I think it's mostly defense. I think they realize they need some help on that front. That front was deplorable, and then it got even worse as injuries hit. So um, to me, I think it's mostly defense. Maybe a quarterback in there if you're if you're asking five. Who are yours? Yeah, I, I don't because like White on it would make a ton of sense. I'm just I, th- I think I'm just going to stick with like the guys who are at least have a, a reasonable chance of being there. Cause I think white is just the top six pick. Like regardless, I think it's Bush um, or Sean Gary. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, you think two and, Michigan boys, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to please a lot of state fans, but I think, I, I think if, if it is a quarterback, it's probably Haskins because that's like the name that's being thrown out, thrown around a bunch. And then I think Cody Ford is probably on that list too, mm-hmm. just based off the, based off what interest they've shown there. And then, like Oliver's probably with the same like thing as as White, where if he's available, he's just becomes like the main option because how can you say no to, to that? But I think they may not be playing for him to be on the board. So maybe a guy like Juwan Taylor becomes along in that same group with Ford. Is, is just like just, just one of the if they're gonna take a tackle, it's probably gonna be Ford or Taylor. And I think it, it might still be in the cards. So those are like the four or five that I'm kind of twisting around right now. And, yeah. Oh yeah, and, and Montez Sweat as yeah. another edge rusher. Yeah, I, 
I mean, I put truth be told, I did put two of my favorite guys in in my mock in in Bryce Love and uh, and Ed Oliver. Um, I mean, those those two guys just are they're fun players to watch. And uh, so, you know, I think um, I think if someone and someone could someone's going to fall to him, someone good's going to fall to him, whether it is a quarterback, whether it you know no offensive lineman are picked, or whether it's Whatever the case may be, I mean, someone's going to fall to him at eleven, and and uh, it's going to be hard for him to mess it up. But I will, I won't put it past him. If do <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real quick, um, I, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, I had a couple of names, and uh, I had a couple of names on my mock that I almost put in, but I wanted to kind of say, hey, these are kind of wild card players that not a lot of people are talking about that they could draft. Um, one guy, I had three names. One is Sheldrick Redwine, the safety out of Miami, um, and he would be a you know a, maybe a round four type of guy. Um, a lot of athleticism, former corner, but can can hit, and he had three interceptions last year, so uh, he could be a guy that they use, especially if they're looking to do more three safety sets. You know, maybe Sean Williams a little more in the box, and uh, you know, Bates and Redwine could be you know kind of out there a little bit. Um, a, a guy I toyed with putting at round three was Andy Isabella. Um, just a, you know, speedy wide receiver. He can actually play a lot. You know, most of his work will be done in the slot, but he can, he can do some things outside and he's got speed to, to be a deep threat a little bit too. So um, that was a guy that uh, I thought about putting in there. And then, you know, at the top of round two, if the Bengals do want to take a shot on somebody and it's not really character. I mean, it is a little bit, but Dexter Dexter Lawrence, and he's the complete mm-hmm. opposite of the mold of Ed Oliver, but uh, very disruptive guy, uh, can make a lot of plays, can really help out um, the Bengals' defense. That was a guy I, I really thought about putting in there, but uh, just couldn't make all the pieces fit and work. But that's a guy, to me, could be a sneaky guy. Maybe if he slips to the top around two, the Bengals make a move there. I, I pondered putting Ryan Finley in because he's like the – like the only quarterback that they yeah. had in the building, I just I I couldn't do that to myself. I couldn't have to sit here and, and try to justify that because I'm I'm kind of with you. Like I, I don't think they're gonna force themselves into taking a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback if they don't f- f- like take one in round one. I think like they probably just wait until late in day three to just take one because who knows what attachment they have to Jeff Driscoll and it's like again they have three quarterbacks coaches on coaching staff so they're probably gonna take one. I just don't think that with how the roster is right now, they're just going to be in a position to, to force themselves into doing so because it's just not like it's still, it's still do Tobin, it's still Mike Brown. And it's just not how, how they kind of operate. So it would just be, it would be shocking to see them to, to, to take one out of this class because I don't think they've, they, they've at least been really secretive about what the interest that they've shown there. And so there's just not a lot of ground to go off of to, to say with any confidence that they're going to take one in the second or third round. Yep. Uh, your thoughts on uh, we got it. We had a four round mock from Dan from Tennessee, uh, Devin Bush, Titus Howard, uh, like him. from Alabama State, uh, Ali Zay Mack, the tight end from Notre Dame, and Brett Rippon, the quarterback of Boise State. What do you think of that? Uh, I like three of those guys. I'm I don't really know that much about Mack, um, other than the fact that of what, what school he went to. He's the guy I know the least about, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, I think he's really tall, though. It might be the Michigan guy, but no, I like Howard. I think the twenty to forty range. He might he might actually be a first round pick, which for Alabama State would be incredible for him. 
but obviously Bush is good. I think Howard can develop into a long-term starter at, at, at either, either tackle spot because he actually ended up rotating between right and left tackle during last year, which is impressive enough, but um, he really should have the senior bowl. And um, yeah, right, right will be interesting. I don't, I'm not really sure where he in, ends up going because he's not, doesn't have the, the, the prototypical dimensions of, um, of, a long-term quarterback. So he might end up dropping into the fifth or sixth round, but he's got a live arm and that, that, that may force a, a team to take a chance on him in the third or fourth round. But um, if they do end up going with the day three quarterback, Ripon's one of my, one of my few favorite guys to, to end up taking that chance on. So I like him. Yep. Uh, we've mentioned this listener a couple times, but uh, he hit us up before the show. Ken Dipple was asking, um, and I thought this was interesting. It was a lot about uh, why, why no fullback? Uh, why are the Bengals not using <laughs> fullbacks and everything? Um, he, he mentioned, you know, he really is a fan of uh, Moose Johnson. He mentioned him in a couple of texts that he sent our way. Um, now, Moose Johnson, that's a throwback, uh, and there's just not a lot of battering ram type of guys, you know, Lorenzo Neal's uh, anymore in the NFL. My thoughts – Initially, John, you're a much smarter guy than I am, and you do more film study uh, and film breakdown than I do. But my thought is the NFL has changed where you spread folks out and the, just the eye formations and stuff that just doesn't – it's not used as frequently. And the Bengals run a lot of zone stuff, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's just – that's not very fullback friendly. But your thoughts on that, um, and, and do the Bengals need to start employing a guy like that, maybe take a little bit of the heat off of Andy Dalton and, and be a power running team? Well, there are not there are no traditional fullbacks anymore. There, there are no more Tony Richardsons or Lorenzo yeah. Neals and, right. like, that, that exists anymore. But you look at Kyle Shanahan's office with the 49ers, he uses a, a, a player in that position on – most of the snaps like we look at like the the rams traditional offense and how they go 11 personnel and through receivers and one running back with with the with the um with the 49ers and with the falcons back in 2016 when they were really explosive they were in a lot of two receiver sets and really condensed everything and that's almost like when we talk about teams spreading uh defenses out there's all there's always been like a counter movement of, of teams condensing in, into the box and getting it getting receivers into you know m- multi-directional re- releases where they can go outside or inside but also having two running backs and, and a fullback in there the only thing is that fullback has to be versatile he can't just be a blocker he has to be able to run routes he has to be able to catch the ball that's why Kyle Usyk ended up getting like a 20 million dollar contract with with the 49ers and thinking he's a fullback why are you paying him that much well because he, he does more than just block he ends up running the ball he ends up going out for a lot of routes and if the Bengals want to employ a fullback and and have him utilize a lot more, they need to use, they need to use him more than how they use Ryan Hugh, which was just a battering ram downhill. They need to he needs to be athletic. He needs to be able to to get out to the flat, be able to run after the catch because you, you can't succeed in the NFL when condensing everything like that. But you have to be creative with it, and you can't pretend like it's 2006 anymore. So traditional fullbacks, no, but multi-dimensional fullbacks, you you, you can find a way to be successful. With that yeah, program. and it's, H, it's, H back, right? Yeah, it takes the right offensive mind to do it. And we'll, we'll see if that's the, if that's what Zach Taylor wants. But I, I don't think we can say it with confidence that, that that's it right now. Yeah, and, you know, who knows? If the Bengals take another tight end in this year's draft, which is possible, um, they then can maybe get a little creative and flexible with C.J. Uzama and Tyler Eifert and maybe a new guy, and they move things around. So uh, they used – I think the Rams used Tyler Higby a couple times in the backfield yeah. used him as a little outlet guy. So um, it's possible, uh, but I, I agree with you. I think it's more of the the Ryan Hewitt tight endish ish H-backish type of mold, not the, the thumper old school – walking square <laughs> uh, <laughs> at fullback. So 
Hey, but uh, thanks for all the questions, guys. It's been a long show, and and uh, we're going to get out of here. But um, it's been a jam-packed show. Uh, we've had a lot to talk about between the schedule release, our mock draft, and then the Bengals, of course, are on the clock next week. Um, but yeah, and then you know they've got a ton of picks, especially in day three. So uh, my guess is they'll probably maneuver. I, I don't think you're going to use five sixth-round picks, but. Uh, who knows? I don't know. Any final thoughts, John, before we get out of here? I'm going to bed. I'm I'm on like two hours sleep and I'm recovering from the flu. So I'm glad we did this. I'm glad God. We got, I'm glad we got these takes off so I can just die for the next couple days. Well, <laughs> hopefully don't literally die. But uh, I yeah, I apologize. I didn't know you had, you had such little sleep. So um, I know you're not we do it for the content. I know. I know it's. I know you weren't feeling 100%, but I appreciate it. Um, I, I suppose this could have waited until next week, but my, my thinking is we'll probably have a very abbreviated show next Wednesday. And then, you know, John, if, if you're able to join, you know, we do the reactions to the picks and all that kind of stuff. So um, just a side note, not, I, I haven't figured out the logistics of it yet, but some of those reactions, it, we may we may do the reactions on Cincy Jungle's Facebook Live first and then feed them to the YouTube channel and our audio channels. I haven't figured out the logistics on how I want to do that yet because we're going to need to maybe kill two birds with one stone or what have you. So we'll, we'll figure that out, but either way, the content's going to get to you. We'll probably have an abbreviated uh episode next week maybe just uh, some listener questions or something like that and then uh, move into draft coverage from there but the nfl draft is right around the corner and we're excited hopefully the Bengals make some significant moves to improve their team and, and make the you know make a playoff push for john sheeran i hope you feel better buddy for john sheeran i'm anthony Cazenza. thanks for tuning in Thanks for all your feedback, your questions, and everything. Get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play. You can get it on Megaphone, CincyJungle.com, and on YouTube. We'll see you next time. Uh-huh.